Welcome to Foster Carolinas, connecting the Carolinas to voices of foster care. L-O-T, the place I want to be. Come and sit down, have a foster chat with me. Podcast bridging the campus is to peace. We are so glad to have Katie Reed back in the studio this week to talk about your foster journey. Um, you were not allowed to cry like oh, you did last week. Um, but kind of talk about like, um, you've been, a, how long have you been a foster parent? It'll be six years in March. Six years in March. I can just tell you in foster parent years, that's like an eternity <laughs> to be a foster parent. Yes. So tell us about your journey. Like how, how did you and your husband decide on foster care and that kind of thing? Well, it had been something that had been on my heart for a while. I'd say probably a good two years before we actually fostered. Um, I've always been a person that is like a need filler. <laughs> and I've always kind of gone for like the underdog. Even when I was a teacher, um, I would always kind of go for the kid that maybe didn't have a lot of friends or was struggling, you know, the, the kid that that needed a little extra in their corner. Like I would always go for that kid. Um, so I'd always kind of had that desire, but I mean, I love hard and I love fast and I am very emotional as we learned last week. <laughs> um, so my husband, of course, being the man that he is, you know, we'd been together since we were 15. So like he's known me for way more than half of our lives. We'll be married for 23 years this uh, summer. And um, so he knew that it would be difficult for me. And it's kind of when everyone says like, oh, I could never do this. It would be so hard to let them go. And it is hard to let them go. <laughs> um, you know, it is something that, that you know, has been a challenge. But, um, you know, I kept praying about it. And then about every two months or so, I'd bring it up and he'd say, nope, not ready yet. And I'd say, okay. And another two months would go by, nope, not ready yet. Okay. And then finally he was like, you know, I don't know if it was something that if it was a sermon he heard at church or if he had just been studying in the Bible or something. But one day he was just like, you know, the Bible tells us where to care for the widow and the orphan. We have the room. We have, you know, the ability to do this. Like we need to do this. And I was like, OK. And then we had gone out to dinner like maybe a week later and we're driving home and he goes, you know, if we do this, we're going to adopt. And I'm like. Okay. <laughs> I just kind of thought we'd be like, you know, a middle home, like a temporary place for kids before they went on to a forever home or were reunited with their parents. And so that took me by surprise. And I was just like, okay. And, um, you know, we start. it took us actually, he told me this probably before summer. Um, it took me, I filled out the paperwork. It took me a while to turn in the paperwork for some reason, like as eager as I was, like it took a while. Um, we were finally, we started our training in January. We were licensed in March. We got our first placement April 17th and um, ended up adopting her 18 months later. <laughs> so God's timing is perfect. I mean, I, I definitely see that now. Um, and I saw it then too, but his timing is perfect and just how things, the timeline and about how we wouldn't have ended up with our daughter if we had done things differently or in our own, in our own time. So I'm appreciative for him for taking that time to really pray about it and just for, um, you know, God be in the center so that we can come to this conclusion, you know, through him and know that 
it was because of him that we're here. <laughs> he sounds like your husband's a prophet as well. <laughs> I know. I was like, wow. Okay. <laughs> and, and, and that doesn't always happen that you're able to adopt a child. In no. fact, I mean, how many kids have you loved and, and let go? We've had um, eight long-term placements in almost six years. And then we've had seven respite placements. So short-term, you know, foster parents have gone away like for a weekend or something and kids have come to stay with us um, or they just needed a short break. Um, so we've said goodbye to, of the eight long-term, we've said goodbye to six of them. <laughs> so our first one we adopted and then our last one we are in the process of adopting. So, um, you know, it, it hasn't been easy, but it when I look back at it, um, people ask me all the time, like, how do you do it? You know, we had a placement our, our longest placement we ever had was for about two years. We got her at six weeks. She was reunited with her mom in June. So that was super exciting. Um, but it was heartbreaking because, you know, she was two and she was precious and we absolutely love her. Um, and it was hopefully, God willing, the closest thing I'll ever to experience to losing a child because mm -hmm. she was in our life one day and then the next day she wasn't. And there was a phase in process. So it's not like they just ripped her out of her home. Um you know, and she is doing phenomenal. We still see her. She was here. She st spent the night a couple of weeks ago. Um, you know, and all the kids that we have had a special bond with, I always felt like, and I came to the realization too, that even my own children are not my own. So like these children most certainly are not my own. Um, you know, when they come into our home, I treat them like my own. Um, but God is ultimately you know, he is sovereign. And my husband reminds me that of all the time when I'm crying and when, what's going to happen. He's like, God is sovereign. He knows. Um, sometimes it's easier said than than believing, <laughs> but it is true. And and all the kids that we've had these special connections with, we still see, you know, we still see them. We still spend time with them. I've got one that still calls me mom. You know, it's just, it's a very special and sweet bond that we have with these kids. And they've either gone on to live with a relative, um, be reunited with their family, or they've been adopted. I have a friend who has one of our placements and two of her sisters, and they're in the process of adopting. So I still get to keep in touch with them. And it's just a really sweet thing to see, you know, and, and to be able to witness that, you know, firsthand. One thing I have admired about watching you and Derek is just the way that you um, do shared parenting. Mm. And shared parenting is hard. It is hard. But it's necessary. It's so necessary because the ultimate goal is for these kids to be reunited with their parents, mm -hmm. with their family. And if you're going to do that, then then you have to treat them like a team player because they are a team player. Yeah, absolutely. They, and, and honestly, these kids want want to be. They do. With them. Yeah. And so um, can you tell me some instances where that's just um, worked out beautifully and also instances of where did maybe didn't work out so beautifully or it was really hard <laughs> yeah. or that kind of stuff. Well, I, um, one thing I found that I really, I really strive to do typically when a child is taken into care, um, that Tuesday after they're taken into care is when we have our first court date. So I always go to court always like for every court date, but that one in particular is typically a time when they're trying to, if the parents show up, which hopefully they do, um, it's a time for them to meet you and they have a liaison, like they have a, a middleman person that kind of connects the two of you. And you sit down in a room and go to go over like shared parenting and that kind of thing. And I always try and tell them from the very first thing that I tell them is, you know, I, I try and be um, 
supportive and I try and just, you know, make some kind of contact with them. And I let them know, like, I'm not here to get your kid. (laughs) I just want you to know I'm not here to get your kid. I'm here to be a middle mom. I'm here to um, protect your child and to keep them safe while you're able to do what you need to do in order to get them back. So I think a lot of times and I've actually seen them physically like relax after I say that, because I think a lot of times foster care comes with a bad rap. And like, they think, you know, I had a a mom ask me once, like very quietly, she was like, are they going to, are they going to put my kid up for adoption? And I was like, no, like, no, 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 you're doing everything you need to do. And she was a rock star and she got everything done. Like in the first like four months, I mean, it was crazy, but I told her, I'm like, I'm not out to get your kid. I'm here just to be a support to you. And you know, you have this opportunity now where you don't have any other distractions around you to be able to focus only on you and getting what you need done in order to get your child back. And they just physically relax after I say that. And I think that that opens a lot of doors too for them to see that I'm on their team and like, I'm not against them. Um, I, our adopted daughter, you know, I, I feel like with her, I never had a chance to, to meet her mom um, in person, but we've prayed for her a lot. I finally did get to meet her. Um, uh, a little over a year ago. And, you know, while things did not turn out with her where we were able to have a relationship, um, it's really made the whole, all these processes and meeting these parents and seeing the successes and seeing some of the failures, it's made me realize like how easily that could have been me, you know, and putting myself in their place and saying one wrong decision could have put me there, you know, and it really allows me to be sympathetic to them. And it makes me realize too, like how, much like addiction can have a grip on someone because people are like, how could they do this? You know, how could they do this to their child? And it's like when you're addicted to something like that's all you think about, you know, and and sometimes you think like, oh, I'll, I'll get better tomorrow. Tomorrow I'll do it. I'll do it better. Tomorrow I'll do it. Next week I'll do it better. And then it just something comes up and you go back to it. It's what your comfort is. So I and some of these people have had awful childhoods, <laughs> you know, so it's it's kind of not surprising that that's what they would turn to. It's sad um, that that's their only option or they feel like that's their only option. But um, I'm still hopeful for our adopted daughter's mom. Um, I actually when we first got her had like I don't want to say a vision, but like <laughs> popped in my head of me and her and I'm not going to cry me and her standing in church worshiping together. Um. I'm not going to cry. So (laughs) I'm still holding on to that thought. Um, It seems like it is like miles away right now, like that that's something that will never happen, but maybe not on this side, you know, but we still pray for her um, every day and our daughter knows about her and we pray for her. And so it's, it's, it's definitely been a journey. Um, yeah, it's been a journey. <laughs> um, I love that, that you just go ahead and hopefully put their fears to rest mm-hmm. from the get go and just say, hey, I'm not here to take your your child, to adopt your child. Yeah. But on the flip side, how scary is that to have your t- kids taken away from you? If yes. you they I have mean, no idea, you're a foster parent, you're trained, you've had 30, like, you yeah. know what foster care is, but they don't know and understand just what they've seen on TV. And a lot of them, like, you know, if they're taken into care, like on a Wednesday, they have really no idea where they are for almost a week, you know, sometimes. I mean, I'm sure DSS kind of keeps them up to date on, you know, they're in a placement, blah, blah, blah. But like, they don't know who I am. They don't know how many other kids I have, if I have any pets, if I'm married, if I, you know, they don't know any of that stuff. So 
it is terrifying, I'm sure, for them. So um, hopefully I'm able to put them at ease a little bit. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and and allow them to to feel like they can focus on themselves, which some of them have. And it's been great. What is your um, what would you say the hardest thing about fostering is? Um, I think learning a child is difficult um, when a child first comes into your home, especially. I mean, we've we've had several newborns. <laughs> Give me all the babies. Um, but we've had some that have not been. And it, you have to learn the child and they have to adjust to being in your home. And then all the stuff that they bring along with them, um, you know, because they haven't been raised the same way that your kids have been raised. And so um, figuring out ways that are creative in order to for discipline and then also just for loving them, you have to love them different. And even our adopted daughter, you know, we got her at five days old. We picked her up from the hospital, but there was still significant trauma that she experienced when her mother was pregnant um, during the delivery. You know, she was in the NICU for five days. So there was a lot of trauma during those times where her brain was developing. And we're seeing that now and having to learn how to even parent her differently than we parented our own kids is um, it's been a cha- that's probably been the biggest challenge is just learning how to be a parent to a child from her places that. Um, is effective and loving as well. Same. (laughs) Our youngest child is adopted and it's the same because, and you almost feel like it could, it could seem as if to your other children Mm -hmm. that you are softer on them. Yeah. And really it's, you absolutely cannot parent the same Mm -mm. kids from hard places. You cannot parent them the same. Even having them as a newborn, like, because that's what you would think, but yeah. no, you cannot parent them the same. Um, it's it's just different. And I don't even know how to explain it except for you to live through it and mm-hmm. understand that it's just so different. Um, but she does seem like that she gets everything she wants. And yeah. that's just part of us being tired. But <laughs> <laughs> the husband's like, no more newborns. <laughs> but um, but it is it I totally agree with you. That's exactly the way that we feel too. But you don't I don't, I didn't go into it knowing that. So that's mm-hmm. hard when you, now I know it yeah. and now I'm okay with it, but trying to like, well, this worked with the other ones. Why is this not working with this one? Yeah. Well, there's a real reason why mm-hmm. it's not working. And so parents just have to be willing to shift and, and change a little bit. And I find with our five-year-old too, like she, if she's like acting up or she's misbehaving or if she's being sassy, um, whereas in the past I would have sent my kids to their room, like just go cool down, whatever. I find that I have to like sit. And I have to like just take her in my arms and I have to just spend some time just with her. And I find that just doing that and then sometimes getting a little goofy with her or giving her a snack or something like her mood completely turns around. And it took me four and a half years to figure that out. (laughs) You know, I would get so frustrated. Why isn't she listening to me? Why is she acting like this? Why is she saying these things? And then I was like, you know, I just need to stop what I'm doing. She's doing this because she wants my attention and she wants me to come and spend time with her. So I'm going to do that. Um, whereas with the other kids, you know, I could just look at them hard and they would be like, okay, sorry, Bob. <laughs> She's not like that. <laughs> at connect. All. Karen yes. Purvis, connect. Yes. She wants to connect with yes, you. Yes, she does. That's so cool. Um, what would you say to people that are thinking about being foster parents? I would say to do it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Not only do we need them in our area or really any, I don't know of any area that's like, no, we don't need any foster parents right now, but we do need good quality foster parents. And, 
Um, I think that if it's on your heart, um, I always tell people like, go through the training. Like there's nothing you're, just because you go through the training doesn't mean that like you're going to have a kid dropped on your door the next day. Like that's not how it works. No, I mean, they may try and call you, but <laughs> um, go through the training, get licensed. And I always tell people like, start with respite, you know, start just doing short term care. Like I have friends who will take, um, you know, our foster daughter now, they may take her for a day or they may take her for an overnight. You know, that's what respite care is. And it starts you off slow. It starts. That's how we started. We had a friend who had a foster daughter at the time. And my husband was like, start with just taking her like one day a week. So like on Thursdays, I would take her like all day. And we had her as a newborn and she's in uh, first grade now. And I just saw her adopted mom the other day and um, she showed me pictures. And I mean, she's so big and beautiful. And it's just that's how it started. It allowed me to see like, yeah, we could do this. Like we, I mean, obviously it was one day a week. That's a lot different than having them 24 seven. However, respite, I think really allows you to see how it can work with your family, what ages work with your family, how you feel like you can manage it. Um, and I just encourage people like, just go get licensed, like find out about it, like find out more. Cause I think people are so secretive. It's kind of like when you're like thinking about getting pregnant and you don't want to tell anybody it's like that. Like, you don't want to say like, well, we're thinking about becoming foster parents because it's like, you're putting it out there. <laughs> exactly. And then they'll question if you don't, but, but here's the thing. If, if you had never done anything but respite, mm -hmm. you served that foster oh, mama well for yes. once a week, you took a load off of her so yeah. that she could do other things. So yep. that's, that's the beauty of it. Even if you only ever just do respite, mm -hmm. you're going to meet a huge need. Yes. We have foster parents that are um, facing burnout because mm -hmm. they've been doing it for so long and we don't have enough foster parents to even give them respite yeah. so that they can rest. Yes. So if you're listening today and you're like, man, I, I think I could babysit, like I could do the respite part mm -hmm. of it. Um, contact us. We'll, we'll tell you how to do that. Um, Katie is an amazing foster mama and she has offered to mentor other yes. foster mamas. She'll talk to anybody. Honestly, <laughs> if you'll just reach out to us, we'll get you in contact with Katie. Um, nothing warms her heart more than to talk about foster care and to support other foster moms. And honestly, if you're thinking about being a foster mom and you don't have any foster mom friends, you can start with Katie <laughs> because you have got to have some foster mom friends. Um, yes. That's the other thing that I kind of, your, your friends groups change a little bit because some friend groups honestly just don't understand foster care. Mm -hmm. And I kind of got tired of my non-foster friends telling me how to fix something in a child mm -hmm. that it just was well, why don't you just do this? <laughs> well, Karen, if that would work, I would have already done it. But um, I think that the more foster mamas you have around you and you have a really good network. Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes you just need that to mm -hmm. somebody to understand what you're going through. So you not, go, you know, that you're not going crazy. Cause sometimes when you're a foster mom, you feel like you're going crazy. Yes, you do. And it's you sometimes, and luckily we have our, our best friends are not licensed foster parents, but they are definitely our biggest support and they are, they understand the world of foster care. Like it's unbelievable, but they are the ones that like I can turn to at any second. And even our small group from our church, like it's very foster care minded. We have several foster families that just happen to join our group. We have a, a couple that started coming that are considering doing foster care. Like it's just very interesting how God has like integrated these families into our group. And they all just are very need filling people and they just, love the Lord and they love kids and they love foster care. And they're the people that are coming with me to 
you know, um, volunteer and to do things. And, and anytime I ask, Hey, can you help me up at least to these? Oh yeah, sure. We'll come. (laughs) That's awesome. Well, I so appreciate you, um, not just as a foster mom, but as a friend and, um, now I'll cry, (laughs) (laughs) but, um, we haven't talked much about the hummingbird house, but you're a large portion of why it, it runs the way it does. It's not something we talk about all the time, but there are friends. I call them friends that come and stay. And um, so that is running well. And Katie's the girl that um, books that for those um, social workers and allows them, changes all the codes and all the things that has to be done um, so that those kids have a place to land for a little bit. Mm -hmm. And we've heard very good feedback on the Hummingbird House and how they just love it. And so I'm sure we'll continue that. But thank you for being here today. I think you'll be a returning guest. Um, I think it's really good for us to keep talking about foster care because we have to get it out there because yeah, we need it. I mean, there's over 400 kids in care and that's just in Gaston County. In Gaston County. And there's how many foster families at last count? Like under 50? Well, that's county. There's 200 foster homes in Gaston County. Yes, but a lot of them are full. Exactly. So that's the thing where they don't tell you. You act like, okay, you have 450 kids and there's this many foster homes, but many of those foster homes yeah, are already like we're full. full right now. Yeah. I mean, um, so we can't take any more placements right now. And I know a lot of people who are full or who are in the process of adopting and you know, we'll, we'll not continue after they adopt or take a break. And it, it, there's always a need. There is always a need. So if you're interested in being a foster parent, please, you can check out our website. There is a portion on there. It says 411 about being a foster parent. Um, and maybe one day we'll have to have a myth buster session on there's all these myths about being a, somebody told me the other day is like, well, I was told if I, if I worked outside the home, I I know (laughs) I was like, it's not 1975. Single people can do it. Yeah. People who work full time can do it. Stay at home moms, you know, can do it. Absolutely. They just need people. They need people who love kids and want to do it. Exactly. Well, thanks for being here. Yes. My pleasure. Thanks for joining us today for Foster Carolinas. Were you inspired by something you heard today? Well, we want to encourage you to make the next step, whatever that is. Everyone can do something for children in foster care. If you're not sure where to start, go to our website at www.lotcarolinas.com and see what you can do.